Okay. You would have heard that this is being recorded, but it's all right. It'll be um, mainly focused on me. So don't worry about having your face on screen. Um, okay. All right, so I just wanted to, this is, uh, if this is like my last uh, full sermon in a way, um, next week I'll be saying something that will be a bit little different on my last Sunday. Um, I don't know the details, so you can't ask me any more questions about that. Um, but just in terms of, I was thinking about my family and I was thinking of the church. Um, and I was thinking that we're in this season where, you know, and we're often in these seasons because we're human and we're limited, where we don't really know. We don't really know what where, where to. We don't really know exactly how things will pan out. Um, you know, you think of the church. We don't really know the journey with the building and we don't really know, um, you know, when and if there'll be another pastor. And um, we can't really, even today, like, you know, it's a bit frustrating that on my second last day I have to be indoors and the weather's like the way it is, but I can't fix the weather and I can't see how things will pan out. Um, but our family's a little bit like that too. Like, we don't really know... Um, what's going on in terms of next year we don't really we can't fix um things so simply like um we know that um Esther's chronic fatigue and other health issues just <coughs> are complex and we can't really fix them and we can't see um we can't really see what's next or the way forward and so we have these times now it's always true that we don't really know and it's always true that we can't really see I mean you know the there's that verse that people like to say and it's a great verse you know, man man makes his plans, but God directs his steps. As in, there's a sense in which these, even when we feel like we know and we can fix and we have got everything under control, um, that that's not always true. Um, but sometimes life puts us in situations where we really know. We really are just in a situation where we don't know. We can't see properly. We can't fix what's before us. Um, and we've been talking in the last few weeks about spiritual composure, this idea of what does it mean to be the people of God in amidst change, right, and turbulent times. And um, these statements, they they carry different baggage for different people, right? They, um, you know, like the, this whole idea of not knowing, I can't seeing, I can't fix. Like for, the, for some people, when they don't know the answer to something, it's incredibly um, scary, right? Like it's intimidating. Like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, and, and you know, like, and, and that connects to fear and insecurity and control. Um, you know, when, when certain people come across something they can't fix, that's an anxiety-inducing space because they almost pride themselves on being able to fix whatever's before them. So for some people, these statements, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of challenging statements that bring up shame or pride or insecurity. But for the person whose hope is truly in the Lord, they're not, they should not be threatening statements. But for the person whose hope is truly in the Lord, the idea that you don't know exactly what's going to happen tomorrow should not be a threatening statement. Amen? Like the idea that there is something that you don't exactly know how to fix or I don't exactly know how to fix should not be a threatening space. The idea that we can't see exactly the purpose in what's happening or what's around the corner. Surely for the person whose hope is truly in the Lord, these are statements that they can be and indeed should be at peace with, even take joy in because they know who's leading us. They know 
who the good shepherd is. I mean, these spaces of lack where we don't know and we don't have and we can't fix and we can't see, <clears throat> it's these spaces of lack where actually um, that's where faith really means something. That's where that's when our faith really hits the road because we don't need to know. God knows. We, we don't need to fix. God works things, all things for good, for his good. We don't need to see because he sees. Um, you know, if we just, just to kind of go back to like a big picture, we're made in the image of God, we're made into the image of God, and you and I were made to image God into the world. That's part of what it means to be made in the image of God, like that you and I were meant to be conduits of his kindness, that we should image his justice, his kindness, his grace, his mercy into the world. We're meant to image him into the world. And, and you know, that's what it partially means to be made in the image of God. And that arrangement only works, doesn't it, if we trust him wholeheartedly. We trust him to define right and wrong, yes. But it also only works if we trust him to provide, provide our every need, that we we don't um, scurry around and, and do things in our own strength. But part of being that conduit is we sit so confidently that God will provide our every need. Um, that's what, it, you know, we stay and trust him and depend on him. And we break that trust. We broke that trust as human beings. Um, and, you know, we, we turned away from, we, and we wanted to be our own gods, and have our own crowns and do things our own way and define right and wrong for ourselves and, and, produce for ourselves in our own way and provide for ourselves in our own ways. And, you know, that's led to chaos. We know that's led to the chaotic world we live in because a world full of people who are their own gods is not a good world. A world where, um, you know, everyone's right and wrong is up against each other's is not a good world. So it's not a good world. And we know that God dealt with that distance from us turning to him. And, you know, this is an image I like to use a lot, that he pursued us, right? He pursued us. So, so all those steps we took away from God, he pursued us, right? He came down to earth. He walked in our shoes. He died in our place. <clears throat> and, and for all of us, we can turn back to him. Because of God's pursuit of us, we can change direction and turn back to him and rely fully on him and rely on his provision and his forgiveness and his direction. Um and when you're when you're back facing towards him, fully dependent on him, and you're made in his image, when you're in that eternal relationship, and I want to say that's something that um, some sort of modern theology messed up a bit. That when we say eternal life, we're not talking about the life that starts after you die. Eternal life starts the moment you're in relationship with Christ. So your your you are your eternal life starts now. So you're in that relationship that continues forever now. Now. When you're in that relationship, you know, and you're and you're being led by the good shepherd, the one who pursued you, the one who created you, can we agree, can we agree that if when we're in that relationship, it's completely okay for me not to know some things about the journey, about where we're going, right? It's completely okay for me if there's some things I can't do in my own strength or I can't fix or I don't know the meaning of. <clears throat> then it's completely okay if I can't see because my whole life is now being led by the creator of the universe. Like he provides for me. He has all that I need. He knows the journey that I'm on and he's the one that will provide for me. So I can be completely relaxed in those spaces of lack. I can be at peace. The church can be at peace in times where we don't know and we don't have 
and we can't see and we can't fix, but all of us individually, our family included, can be at peace um, when we're in those spaces. Yeah, so just, you know, that, that, that passage where Jesus is on the boat with his disciples and they think that Jesus is really upset that they haven't brought enough bread on board. And Jesus gets really angry with them, it seems. I'm really upset because he's like, you just saw me feed like 5,000 people and you think this is a big deal that you haven't bought enough bread. Like you can't get your heads over what you lack. You can't get your head, you can't get your eyes above what you don't have that you can't even, you know, like, cause Jesus was trying to teach them about something completely different. And the disciples are like, Oh, he's just angry. We don't have enough bread on the boat. And you know, so they couldn't get their eyes above what they lack. And that's the thing. When Jesus is with you, if, if Jesus is truly with us and he provides our every need, then we can be calm in those spaces of lack because he is with us and we don't need to know he knows. We don't need to have he has. And it's okay if we can't, he can. He is in the boat. So just on that's the background of what I want to talk about this morning. So in Ephesians 3, we're going to look at this, this little section where he talks to the church. And I'm, I'm not going to put up a PowerPoint. So if you want to look it up, um, we're looking from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12. <coughs> um, and so this is one of those really powerful letters because it's one of the letters that Paul is writing in prison. So talk about a space where you're reduced to you not knowing and you not being able and you not having. He's in prison. All right? his, his hands are tied. He's just writing these letters, trying to encourage and teach the churches um, from prison and he's in the prison on the back of declaring Christ to the Gentiles revealing to them that they too can return and receive Christ and so he's in this space of lack and what he does in that space is what we should do he prays right he prays and he writes down these prayers he leans into the one who does know who can do who can see and when he prays for the church he prays that they lean into essentially, we're going to see really, he prays that they lean into the one who does know, who can do, who can see. And he reminds them of just how much they love him. Because remember, like the Gentile church, they probably were a bit distressed that Paul was in prison. You know, he's a pretty foundational person um, for the church. They could be in a series of panic and he writes to them. And this is what he says. So Ephesians chapter three, verse 12, if you want to read with me, <coughs> we'll read verse 12 and 13 to start. And says, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Straight away, that's so powerful. We, we, you don't need to be discouraged that I'm in here because we can all approach him with freedom and confidence. We can all, from, from prison here, you out there, we can all approach God with freedom and confidence through Christ. Amen. So straight away, he, he hits them with that encouragement. And he also says, don't be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are my glory, which are, which are your glory. I mean, Paul is in there because he's followed Jesus faithfully. And so he says, look, let's not be discouraged. We can all approach him with freedom and confidence. And then he says this. So if you look, verses 14 to 17. Says for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So verse 16, let's let's hone in here. I pray, so this is his prayer for the church. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power 
through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I just want to, you know, hone in on some of that language. Um, so Paul, the Ephesians church and us, right, in spaces of lack, the reason we can be confident, right, because out of all of his glorious riches, the Lord can strengthen us. And I wanted that, that word, out of all his glorious riches, I just want to focus on that because it's an abundance, it's an abundance terminology. And this is something um, that, it's, it's worth exploring because he, he, he leans into this abundance language a couple of times. So out of his glorious riches, may, he may strengthen you. It's a bit like, you know, out of, you know, the, the disciples in the boat, out of his glorious riches and the one who fed 5,000, he can feed you. Out of his glorious riches, the one who parted the seas can strengthen you. So he's got an abundance. He, Jesus, Jesus isn't struggling with lack. You know, we, we feel lack, but he's not struggling with lack. And the way we can kind of, you know, when I talk of this, I try and think of what's a statement that's helpful. What's a statement that all of us can take with us that helps the rubber hit the road with this sort of thinking? Because, um, you know, I want to steer away from silly ideas that say, you know, if you ask, pray for lots of money, you'll have it. Or if you pray for lots of this, you'll have it. Or, you know, this whole idea of... The, I don't think that's what we get out of out of his glorious riches. He strengthened us. What it means is, is that so he is God, right? We follow him. He sets the path and we follow faithfully because of his abundance out of his glorious riches. This is always true. And this is the statement I want you to hone in on. God has all you need for all he has called you to. All the time. God has all you need for all he has called you to all the time. God has all the strength you need for all the things that are before you all the time. He is never lacking in abundance for everything you need for what he has called you to. And so, you know, when Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. Um, that power is an unending source of power for whatever the Ephesian church needs to go through. He has the power for them to do it. So they should lean into that, that Christ may dwell with them richly. Um, and, you know, and we know when we look at um, when we look at how God giving us his strength works, um, you know, you, you know, the famous Isaiah 40 passage. It's not like God is up there saying to us, saying to us hey, you better be strong. You better be strong. Be stronger. Be stronger. <coughs> we know that the way it works is that, as we put our hope in him, then we receive his strength. That's the way it works with this peace as well. He doesn't yell at us, be peaceful. You've got to be more peaceful. He says, as you release your things to me in prayer, then you receive my peace. And so, um, you know, out of his glorious riches, he strengthens us. God is not lacking. He has all we need. And he has all we need for all he has called us to. So, and, and that's the balance. That's what keeps it, that doesn't, that's what stops those sort of statements from twisting to something that we manipulate towards ourselves. God has all you need out of his abundance for all he has called you to all the time. All right, let's go on. And so he's praying from prison <coughs> and he's, and he's, and he's writing to this Ephesian church that has their champion apostle in prison. And then he writes this. So at the end of verse 17. 
And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So the next thing I want to say about lack, we can cope with our lack. We can cope with the spaces of not knowing and not seeing and not being able to fix. It's because the God who is with us is a God who loves us. And that's, and, and that's so crucial is that remember that that image that we started off with is that we turned from God and God pursued us. So, you know, he pursued us. He forgave us. He crossed the distance to us when we made the distance by turning from him. And, and, you know, so when we turn back towards this God, you know, the, the God that we're tying ourselves to is a God who loves us passionately. You know, one of my favorite um, passages is Matthew 11, 25, uh, 28 to 30, where it's, you know, a famous verse says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And what I, what I love about that is that it's kind of got Christ's covenantal nature, is that if you choose to tie yourself to me, yoke yourself to me, I'm going to walk you back up the mountain. We're going to do this together. I'm always going to be here. And if you're yoked to the Son of God, if he is covenantly, covenantally committed to you like that, do we really panic when we don't know? Do we really panic when we can't fix? Do we really panic when we can't see? Or actually, are we meant to be people, are the people of God meant to be people who display a peace that goes beyond those things? Are we meant to be almost like, it's fine, we don't know, it's okay, we can't see, it's fine. He sees, he knows, he provides all we need to see for the moments we need to see them. He gives us all we need. And, and you look at that, right? If you take my yoke upon you, if you yoke yourself to me, I'm gentle and humble in heart and I will teach you and you'll find rest for your souls. But, you know, it's just that, that angst of letting go and trusting God, you know, and that angst of letting go and actually letting him lead us each step of the way. And, and I just want to finish, and this is, um, I, I, I love this because it leans into that abundance, that abundance language again. So verse 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be, glo <coughs> to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Friends, we can cope with our lack because the one who can do immeasurably more immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine is at work in us. So when we don't know and we can't see and we can't fix, can't fix, how's this for a run of terms in the scripture? We can be still, we can stand firm, we can abide, we can remain, we can be at peace because he is faithful. I mean, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? So many commands in scripture, they're not, they're not language of you know, take control or or fight or or panic or you know, like there, be still, stand firm, abide, remain, be at peace. And these commands are impossible if 
the weight of the world is on our own shoulders, isn't it? If, if there's pressure for us to know, if there's pressure on us to fix everything, if there's pressure on us to see the answers to everything, then, then we can't be that. We can't be what Christ calls us to be. We can't be still. We can't stand firm. We can't abide and just be at peace with God. But if we, we are truly yoked to him and he is in the boat with us and, and, and you know, we really, he loves us as much as he says he does and as scripture declares he does, then we absolutely can. We don't need to know. We can absolutely be at peace. And um, what the, just um, a thought in this kind of last official sermon thing, I guess I wanted to talk a little bit about part of what God's provision for our lack looks like. And, you know, if we were at church, I'd get you to look at each other, but you can look at each other's face on the Zoom screen. Part of God's provision is the provision of the body of Christ. As in, part of my lack in wisdom, part of God's answer to that lack is the wisdom of the brothers and sisters before me. You know, I could, I could, and, you know, I could talk about many times that the wisdom of those before me in this call and, and in their wider church <coughs> and others follow, who follow Jesus faithfully, it's, it's, my lack is, is partially answered by other people that God has placed in the body. I mean, um, you know, I, I, this, this conversation, one that instantly comes to mind is, um, you know, like I, I, I once in a blue moon, I sit and have a, have a cup of tea with Pete and he was sharing some of the ways he frames his life. And, um, you know, and, and there's so much godliness and wisdom in how he gets up each day and, and, you know, keeps himself in the moment and, and doesn't get too um, drawn up in unhelpful thoughts. And, you know, that's, that's an example of the body of Christ, his wisdom in the body of Christ, of which we all are. Uh, yeah, his wisdom blessing me. And, you know, provision, my family. Come on now. Like my family, part of God's answer to his faithful provision to me is the community I'm in. You know, the, the, one, the wonderful support received across those three months that we had off as a family, the, the prayers, the, the gifts. I mean, you know, there's been someone else in need recently, our community and the communities gathered around them and blessed them. Um, once again, part of the way God provides faithfully is the people he puts around it, isn't it? Absolutely. And, um, and you know, part of, and that goes for when our faith is struggling. Um, you know, there are some people in our church who are just so gifted at leaning into prayer, so gifted at leaning into the character of God um, when, and leading us to do so. You know, they're the ones that lead us into prayer. And so sometimes my lack of faith is is answered by the people he places around me um, because you know it's no accident that we're called the body of christ and part of christ's answer to our needs is in the body around us of which he is the head and he places things in the body just as they are so um and the other thing is just he he opens doors i mean you know i often have reflected from the front that so much of our church's recent history has just been full of things that didn't really come from me. Um, you know, even though I'm the pastor, like I just didn't have a lot to do with them in terms of their genesis, um, whether it's the chaplain and the chaplaincy in the schools, which came about, um, I thought, you know, you know the story of how that came about. I called into a principal's office and got asked, oh, got, and they expected me to be showing up to that meeting with chaplains ready to enter their schools. And it was like someone had lied to them. I didn't have them. 
But then that was God opening a door and that ended up with Laura in the schools and now that led to Jess being in the schools and now young Bree was getting baptised last Saturday. It's fantastic, you know, but that didn't, that's just God leading the way. That's just God providing, you know, he delivers us into things. Um, the, the, us having the property in the middle of St. Clair, um, you know, Greater Us for Christ did a lot of work with us. St. Mary's uh, generously released that. There's just like, there's a whole bunch of things there that, you know, just, and, and, and in the building journey, which is still a journey, um, God brought along an architect who did a lot of pro bono work for us. Um, lots of people have come and helped us along the way. Yeah, so I guess um, in our lack as well, I guess I didn't want to, you know, because sometimes in Western Christianity, we over-individualize everything and it's about individual prayer and trusting him individually. But at least also the reason we are, um, when Christ is with us, he's also with us in the people he places around us. That's another way that Christ is with us. And um, and sometimes we are depriving ourselves of some of the provision by, by isolating ourselves too much that actually we are meant to follow Christ together. So, yes, we should lean into Christ um, with our individual spiritual disciplines and we should reach out to him and write his words on our hearts and minds and and, and that will keep us calm in all our lack. But just when we look for him, um, when we look for the answers to our prayers, when we look for what he might be doing next, when we look at some of the ways he might provide for us, um, we must we must be willing to look that the answers may be in the people he's placed around us as well. Um, so that's just a little extra thought I wanted to add in, which we don't always focus on enough. <coughs> so we are in a space. My family is, the church is in a space where we don't really know. We don't really know. We can't really, we don't, we can't control what's going on. There's a lot of change going on. Um, you know, and when things change, I mean, it's appropriate. Mourning is fine. Sadness is fine. Gratefulness is fine. Looking back with, like, gratefulness and, and even, like, a sense of, oh, that, that was wonderful what God did. Um, but, but we stop behaving like the people of God when, as things change, that gets coupled with panic and anxiety and mistrust and disunity and impatience and you know what I mean like just we, we, we need to be grateful for the past and thankful and honor it well but that should be coupled with peace and faith and confidence in our good God as we walk into the future because he is faithful and he keeps all his promises he keeps all his promises so what a blessing and this is my my, my finishing sort of statement what a blessing it is there are things we don't know so that we can lovingly enjoy the god who does know what a, what a blessing it is there are things that we don't have so we can we can open-handedly trust god with our provision and what an what a blessing it is there are things that we can't see so we can enjoy the journey of a god who leads us faithfully around every corner so in in our lack and if you're in a space of particular lack in your own life right now, um, I pray that this message just fills you with confidence, that you can approach the Lord with confidence wherever you're at. And, um, yeah, why don't I just pray? And then, um, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll finish up after that. Let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, we just want to um, thank you so much for your word. And thank you for the Apostle Paul and the amazing man he was. That in prison, 
<coughs> he could pray so confidently and demonstrate such faith in you and call the church to do so. Uh, Lord, I just pray that in spaces of lack, we would just be lean into the one who out of his glorious riches and who can exceedingly do more than we can imagine, that we would lean into him and trust him wholeheartedly. And remember that he loves us wholeheartedly, that he pursued us and has proven that, Lord. Uh, what, a, what a joy it is to trust a God, to lean into a God who loves us so wholeheartedly. So I just pray that you would fill us with the type of peace and the type of confidence that can make us be still in storms, that it can make us abide amidst, amidst turmoil and trust and place all our hope truly in you as our good shepherd, the one who lays his life down for his sheep. I just pray that the church moving forward will have that posture, that my family will have that posture, and that all of us in our individual challenges and lives where we feel our lack, um, that we would, yeah, that, we, that our relationship with you would just give us such confidence that the God who has all that we need is with us for all he has called us to. Amen. <laughs>